Welcome to the podcast of Grace and Peace Church. These are the teachings from our Sunday gatherings. We are supported by listeners like you who find value in the mission of discipleship. If you'd like to give financially, check out our website, our Instagram, our Facebook for the giving tab. And thank you for partnering with us and keeping the mission alive. Grace and peace to you. We have three core values as a church that we think will give you a well-rounded faith that when we engage in this upward posture, an inward posture, and an outward posture, that that will then teach us what it means to live the Christian life in a way that is good, that is thriving, um, that begins to bring life and meaning to what it means to be a Christian, that it's not just a, a prayer that you say to get to heaven kind of thing, but it's a life, it's a, it's a way of life that begins to transform every part of life. And, um, and so I'm going to dig into that a little bit. And that first passage that we read is what I'm going to use as the guide for this conversation, where he says, remain in me. He talks about the branches, right? And the visual that we get is this idea that we are grafted into the family of God, into the life of Jesus. That he says, when you begin to abide, when you begin to remain, when you begin to be part of my teachings, he says, you are now one of these branches on this vine and you bear fruit. That when you're attached to Jesus, when you begin to live this life that he invites us into of patience, of love, right, of generosity, compassion, then we begin to experience fruit because then we begin to really see the Christian life at work. And so the question I want to ask you is, when you think of people who abide, who comes to mind? Who comes to mind? The dude, <laughs> abide. <laughs> That's right. Hopefully I can transform that <laughs> for us. Um, that's a good one. I love it. The dude. <clears throat> um, who comes to mind when you think of somebody? Maybe it's somebody who impacted your life to become a Christian. Uh, maybe it's somebody who you still look to and you're like, they live this life, this Christ-centered life, this God-first kind of life on a consistent basis, and I'm inspired by them. Who is that person? I don't want you to say it out loud, other than the dude, because that's rad. Um, who comes to mind, and then why? Because that's the critical part. Why does that person come to mind when you think of somebody who puts God first in their life? What is it about their life that makes you think of them as somebody who puts God first? That's the key ingredient. So when we talk about upward relationship with God, people that abide, people that will say, I want to put God first in every part of my life, they're doing what I would venture out to say, really small things throughout the day that you go, that's awesome, right? They probably say encouraging words, right? They're probably somehow different than the other people that you hang out with because of the way that they care for others, right? Um, I don't know, maybe think of the, the other things, but why is it that that person stands out as somebody who puts God first? The way that we engage in God, um, the way that we seek after him will transform our daily routine, our daily ways of interacting with people. Um, 
And so this idea where Jesus says, remain in me, I think it's core to the Christian faith. It's core to us following Jesus. Um, And in order to abide and be part of that, we have to restructure life. Because what he says is, remain in me. And I think someone said me, right? I don't know who it was. We don't need to focus on that. But me was something that stood out because there are other things we can abide by, right? All week, we have things that we can abide by. We can put our lives and our energies and our focus and our attention to all week long. There are so many things, right? Our phones, mega distraction. Those are things that we abide by. Um, They talk about how many times we automatically take out our phone and open it up just to check, even when there's no notification. We abide by our phones, don't we? Does anybody know that stat? I think it was like somewhere in like the hundreds, thousands, just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's typically in my hand like this all the time, right? Um, This idea that we abide by all kinds of stuff, but do we abide by the thing that really transforms life? Um, Do we remain in Christ, maintaining that upward focus? Um, I began to think about this this week and how I begin to talk about what it means to abide on a consistent basis. And I begin to think about my life and what's made me abide. And I recognize that good times have never shaped me to abide more in God. It's always been the bad times or the difficult times or the challenging times. When things are good, where does our, where does our mind go? Dude, I did such an awesome job the other day, right? When things are good, like, oh, man, I've been working so hard. My bank account's solid. My relationships are, I've been doing this awesome, man. I just like, I'm going to hurt myself just patting myself on the back, right? Uh, I know I'm throwing us all under the bus in that moment, but can we be honest? Like, really, when the times are good, we kind of go, yeah, like, I've done it. I've been working hard, and I earned it, and I did good. But when things are bad, we go, what did I do wrong? Where do I go? Where do I turn to, right? And I think that the hardest times in my life have drawn me to God, and I think God uses those things to help us recognize that we are not God, that I am not the one that's in control, and I'm not the one that ultimately makes everything good and happen the way that it should. Um, that really it's this abiding that begins to transform life. And so those hardships, um, the best example I can think of is serving. And maybe you guys have experienced this, but when you serve others, um, in my own life, maybe serving, going to Haiti, serving locally, it changes our perspective, doesn't it? That when you begin to serve others, when you begin to say, I'm going to give up of my time, I'm going to do something that's difficult, because serving, let's be honest, is never easy. Like, those that make it look good, like Mother Teresa, they still, they talk about like, no, there's still a sacrifice that I make. There's still a voice in my head that I have to push back that says, take care of number one and just make it all about you and don't go serve those people. You know, like Satan will always drop those little tidbits in, in our mind. But when we do that, when we give up of ourselves, I've noticed that those are the times where I begin to learn more about myself and more about others in really, really good ways, then I begin to go, you know what? I need to abide. I need to follow what God has called me to do because I begin to take inventory on how good things are, but that's not the motivation, but I begin to take inventory on the suffering that others are going through, right? The challenge that others are going through, and then you go, yeah, you know what? It's not about me. 
I need to abide and I need to do something that's outside of myself. And then you learn the suffering, the challenge, the difficulty, the cost that's on your life is really good, right? How many of you have done that where you've served and then you get back from serving or doing something? You're like, yeah, that was, that was good. Like that was meaningful, worthwhile time that I've spent in my life doing something to help somebody. Raise your hand if you've done that. Like you've been on a mission trip, you've done something where you've served somebody. You know, you know that, right? Like we've experienced it and we've had those moments. And I think that suffering, challenge, difficulty, cost, all of those things are where God begins to teach us how to abide but we don't want to step into it, do we? We're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I want to do the easy thing. I don't want to go down that road. I find that Satan will continually tell me, don't go help others. Like, you got enough on your, li- on your plate right now. You got enough to do. Um, stay home. Stay safe. I don't know how many people told me that when I would go to Haiti, they'd be like, that's dangerous. Why are you going there? <laughs> okay, so yeah, maybe we stop helping people just because it's dangerous, Right? We've all been there. Like, we have to weigh out danger and safety and those things. But, like, we have to also recognize that there's a cost at any level. If it's small, like your day-to-day serving maybe somebody you work with or your family, your kids, whatever, there's going to be a cost that we have to acknowledge. And it's going to cost us. It's going to require something of us that we have to begin to step into. But that cost is so beautiful. And that's what I would hope us, hope we see and hope that this passage helps us understand is that when he says, remain in me, He's also saying, don't remain in yourself. Don't remain so caught up in you because Satan will use that to tell you, nah, don't waste your time. Don't go help people. Like that's effort that you don't have. That's money you don't have. That's energy you don't have. You'll come up with a giant list. But when you step out and do that in faith, when you remain in me, like he says, something crazy will happen. And it's beautiful. It's amazing. It's life transforming. And it doesn't sell. You don't put that on a bumper sticker, right? Like this isn't something that people are like, you're just going to sign up for. But guess what? When you do it, and many of you raised your hands and admitted to it, right? When you step into it, there's something so good that begins to speak to your soul that says, this is good. This is the way that God created us to live. And so then the next question I want to ask is like, how do we begin to then abide? How do we begin to hunger after God? And I want to give you a couple real quick things um, just to kind of, I don't know, not give you a checklist, but give you some things like some like road signs to begin to look for or maybe some things that you can incorporate into life that begin to allow for God to engage in your your space because we have to allow him to do that. He's not going to just bust down our doors and just force us to live this way. And the first one is solitude. When I think about abiding and becoming deeper in that relationship, um, Solitude is one of those things where we begin to sit and reflect and begin to hear from God. You're totally fine. It's good. Like, we're family service. That's what we're all about. So, um, But as we begin to have solitude, we have this thing where we correspond, right? We're corresponding with God. And solitude isn't just talking to God and giving him your, like, Christmas wish list. It's listening and going, like, what do you want, God? Where do you want me to go? What are you speaking to? into my life through this passage like we were doing during Lectio Divina. Um, But it's this co-responding. So it's thoughtful, time-honored engagement with the creator. So taking time during your day, I'm not just going to say like once or twice a week, but like every day we need to have solitude. We need to have a moment. Maybe it's a couple minutes in the morning where you just stop 
your phone is off, everything's put away, and you're just going to listen and go, okay, what are you telling me, God? Like, what do I need to be doing right now? It's not going to be some crazy, like, massively life-altering thing every day. It might be just, I want you just to be kind to your, I don't know, your spouse. <laughs> be patient with your coworker. I want you to just chill out when you're on the road and someone cuts you off, you know? I want you just, it's going to be something small, but it's this solitude time where we go, yeah, you know what? I did kind of lose it yesterday on so-and-so. I need to be, I need to be a little more thoughtful in how I engage in this relationship with God. So solitude, I believe, is like this really core part of really beginning to engage in remaining in what God is doing, remaining in him. Um, Prayer, meditation, those are all ways that we begin to have that solitude. Um, those are, again, more like, I guess, specific ways to do that. Um, and then the next part of that, I think, solitude and reflective part of it is beginning to, I think, shift your thinking. And that requires someone else being in your life that you can begin to ask and say, hey, how do I begin to be more thoughtful about my life? Or how do you engage with being impatient? And, and I think when we begin to have those moments where we can be honest and open and real with someone else, which many of you guys see do in this room, um, where you have either elected Divina group or you have just close friends that you confide in, and you begin to share, I feel like God's calling me to do this, but I don't have the strength to do it. How do I do it? Where do you find the ability to do this? I don't know how to like operate in my job in this way or this, this call that God's put on my life, whatever it is. Like, you need somebody to be a sounding board to begin to help you in that process of beginning to think through what are the thoughtful things that God wants me to do in my relationship with him as I engage with him. Um, and so that requires some really reflective time with somebody throughout the week um, and really being honest about it. Um, Another way that we begin to have this upward relationship um, is through nature, art, hobbies, sports. Maybe you guys have engaged in relationship with God and seen the divine through surfing. That's for me. If I paddle out and I go get some waves, like that is a beautiful space where I begin to see God and I'm reminded of who he is in my life. Um, Maybe for you, it's skating, whatever it is. Maybe it's Um, time doing whatever hobby that you do. You begin to see how God works through all those things. And I think there's something um, to be said about, I think, the physical aesthetic world that we live in, right? So like the way that we set up a building here even is the way that we engage God. These lights, like we simplified what we do so that we're not super distracted. There's not a ton of banners and posters up. So we're thinking about God, right? We're focusing our attention to God and him alone. Um, The simplicity of this space, the darkness, it creates space for us to begin to engage with God in a way that is meaningful. And so the space that you have throughout the week, I think that's another way that we have upward focus on who God is and what he's doing. Again, it's just like solitude, cup of coffee in the morning, sitting quietly at at your table, your kitchen table, whatever it is. all that creates space that begins to allow us to engage with God in beautiful ways. Again, it's remaining in him, and it's beginning to see how he, he interacts with us in our daily life. Um, 
our Sunday gatherings, when we come together, we are always asking the question of like, what are we doing to create an upward space? So Lecto Divina this morning, as we're reading through that, that's turning our attention to God. Our gathering here as we come together is always going to be centered around one thing. Scripture, turning to God, focusing on him. It's never going to be to try and convince you that this is a fun place. It's never going to be like, we're not going to wash your car. We're not going to entertain you. We're, we're solely here to come together to turn our attention to God. That's a blowout for sure. Sorry, podcast, there's a baby in the room. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the space that we create here is meant to be an upward focus. We could easily get focused to where we're entertaining, where we have to have like a massive band every Sunday to keep you happy. We have to have the right amount of children, nursery, care to make everyone happy, the right amount of um, food at the back coffee cart, the best coffee in the world, which we love coffee and we do that. But that's not the sole purpose of church, right? Like I love a good pour over and I, I'm all about that and I'm all about a donut in the morning. But we will always be honest and real. Like the whole point of a Sunday morning is to turn our attention to God. And the best way that I see this space is kind of like a locker room where you have that pep talk where a coach comes in and is like, let's get fired up. Let's go. We're going to get this. And then we go back out there and we live out what it means to be the kind of community. We're not trying to convince people to come in and sit in these chairs. That sounds weird, right? I'm not trying to convince people to fill seats in here. Like, I'm not going to try and be the comedian, the funny guy that'll try and get everybody here that'll listen and be like, yeah, it's awesome. I hope that you live it out. I hope that when you guys leave this place, you are loving people, that you engage with people, that they go, there is something different about this person. And I don't know what it is, but I want to hang out with them more and I want to learn more about what they're doing because of their generosity, because of the way that they talk to me, they encourage me, that we are the people that go out and live this way. That is what he, Jesus talks about when he says, remain in me. You will bear fruit. You will bear fruit. He doesn't say Nate will bear fruit because people will be in a room on a Sunday morning. It'll be you will bear fruit. And what a beautiful illustration because there will be so many people that will be impacted by your lives, our lives, that may never sit in one of these seats. Let that bake your noodle, right? Like think about that for a second. There may be people that you impact that will completely be transformed that may never sit a seat in here on a Sunday morning. And to me as a pastor, that is awesome. You will not hear that from most pastors. Most pastors are like, we have a budget that we need to make sure is good. We need to make sure the seats are filled so that we can keep the lights on. Like, I could care less. I don't think that God cares about keeping lights on and keeping a room full of people on a Sunday morning. I think God cares more about the transformation that happens in people's hearts. Amen? Amen. And that's the kind of community that we want to be. And that's why we're always saying we're going to remain in Jesus. We will talk about what it means to remain, what it means to be outreach focused and loving people and helping people. That's posture number three, right? We're looking up, we're looking inward, and then we're going to look outward. So we'll get to that in like three, four weeks, whenever we get there. But right now, we're focusing on this posture of upward, and that is saying, I just want to remain in what Jesus is doing. I want to be so centered in what he's doing, and I'm going to serve him. I'm going to love him. I'm going to be completely wrapped up in solely him. Amen?
that's what we're all about. And so to close out, um, I want to basically just, I've given you kind of some of those tools to do this, but the ultimate goal is that we have this moment-by-moment relationship with God. A moment-by-moment walk with God that as we all walk out of here, we're not like just blasting. We're like, well, I'll be back to, you know, talking with God next Sunday. No, like I hope that we walk out of here and that you're engaging with God on a moment-by-moment basis as you walk out of here and as you engage your family, as you go back into your job this week, as you go back into whatever challenges you face, whatever it is, that you have this moment-by-moment thing where you're just like either like questioning, engaging, whatever it is. Like you can be angry at God. He's okay with that, but he wants us to engage with him. This moment-by-moment conversation where it's just like, where do you want me to go now? I want to abide. I want to be part of what you're doing. Um, And if you're still exploring this, Begin to ask good questions. God is not scared of those questions. Like he wants us to engage in this this relationship. Um, And I'm confident that as we begin to honestly look at our lives, and as we honestly look at what transforms this world, I believe that we'll see that in Jesus. And so that's my prayer. That's my hope. Um, And I want to close with uh, a little passage from David in Psalm 63. And there's actually songs written about this passage. It's pretty rad. But um, he says, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. Your love is better than life. And when we think about that, we say, like, so better than donuts? Better than my feeling when I'm, I don't know, with my wife or with my best friends and we're hanging out, having a good time? Like, better than all of that? Yes. Like, what he's saying is, like, your love is better than anything I experience on this earth. I want to be completely caught up in that. It says, I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of food, with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. I love sushi. I love sitting down and enjoying a meal with some miso soup right at the beginning and then having some tasty, tasty sushi. But it doesn't come anywhere near the relationship with God. And that's what he's saying is like maybe the best meal, like imagine that, like the best meal you've ever had. He's comparing it to that and saying, it's even better than that. Like that experience that you have, that's great. That's good. It's delicious. Better than the richest food you've ever had. But he says, but I will praise God because his love is bigger than life, bigger than anything I experience. And that's my prayer. That's my prayer that we go into this week, having that heart posture that says, I'm just going to look upward to God in every moment of every day, completely centered in Him. Amen?